Well, thank you, praise team. I must confess that when I came in this morning and I saw the decorations, I thought maybe the Beach Boys were going to sing, but it's a wonderful Christmas program away in the mango. That's what in television you call that a teaser. So, well, we look forward to that. Today is a special day. It's raining, and some of the folks were not able to be here, but we thank the Lord for the rain, and we're grateful that you are here, and we welcome you if you're visiting. Now, as you know, this church is looking for a new pastor, and oftentimes when the pastor is away or gone, or in fact you're without a pastor, often the deacons carry the load of that spiritual leadership. And today we have the good fortune to ordain to this good ministry, Jeffrey McCarty and Justin Gourley. So we certainly will be praying for them. So today I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians. We're going to kind of skip around and deal with some passages of scripture that point to the fact of how serious the office of deacon is. It occurred to me as a pastor, and um, I have been around a while, and it occurred to me several years ago that the Lord's word places as much emphasis on the qualifications of a deacon as he does a pastor or elder or bishop. Those words, and I will use the word pastor, but they're basically the same word. But in Philippians, Paul writes these words. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, or pastors or bishops or elders. And then he mentions the deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in my prayers of all of you. And then in Timothy, you remember Timothy was being mentored by Paul And we read in the third chapter, here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. And then he gives these high qualifications that relate not to necessarily formal training, but it relates to the man who would stand and preach the gospel to his relationship with the living God and his relationship with the community and the community of believers. And then in verse 8, he says, Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain they must first keep they must first keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience 
They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Every one of us here, I think, probably understands how important the church is. The church, this church, and every other church who has the gospel at its core message is important to God. In fact, I believe the church is the primary instrument that God left here on planet Earth to carry the gospel around the world and also to nurture new Christians. And so in order to point to us the importance of the local church, Paul would often use very familiar words to give depth and to explain what the church ought to be and what the church ought to do. On more than one occasion, the church is called the bride of Christ. And of course, we believe that the bride should always be faithful to the bridegroom who is Christ. Sometimes the church is called the body of Christ. And certainly today we understand that our physical body needs to be healthy and certainly the body of Christ should be spiritually helpful. Sometimes we read that the church is the family of God and as the family of God, certainly we should be as a people caring and kind. You remember, though, that uh, at least on one occasion, the church is referred to as the army of God. And it was in Ephesians that we are told as soldiers of Christ that we're put on the full armor of God. Now let me say that the church is not to be primarily a country club for good people. It is to be, in fact, a hospital for people who are sinners. And just so you will always know that we're all sinners, even for those of us who have found Christ as our Savior, we know that we are sinners. Even Paul, in writing to Timothy, said, I, uh, this is a worthy saying and can be accepted that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and then he adds, of whom I am the chief, or probably more accurately, the words. And so the purpose of the church is to be a place where people who need help and healing and restoration and people with broken lives can come and be helped because of the message of Jesus Christ. And I think as I reflect on all of on my life, that we're all in need. We're all at times broken. We're all at times weak. And so this morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk about the birth of the church. And we'll put that right over here, how and when the church was born, and then the structure of the church, and then, of course, some of the blessings and the burdens of the church. Most Bible teachers believe that in terms of the physical presence of the church, we have to go to Acts. Now, let me say the book of Acts is actually a historical book. It covers 
the first 50 or 60 years of the New Testament church. And in Acts 2, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And so we see kind of the nucleus of, of this New, Chest, New Testament church. Now, let me say that when I refer to the church, I'm not talking about bricks and mortar. In fact, for several generations, the church knew nothing about what we think of as a building, or this, like this beautiful building. They met in homes, and it's referred to the church in your house because they met as little groups. But in Acts, it says, in that group, they devoted themselves, they concentrated on what the apostles were teaching. And by the way, the, the correct title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit and what he did through the apostles. And the main people in Acts are Peter and later Paul. And so these people who had been born again, and I'm going to use several terms, but uh, not every church group uses the same term to mean someone who has been regenerated and born again or has repented and received Christ. But in Scripture, the word saved is used. Did not Jesus say to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again? Often we will use the term someone who is a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ. And some of the Christian traditions, they will not use the same term, but they mean a person who is a sincere follower of Jesus Christ. And so this little historical book called the Book of Acts says to us that in Acts 2, the church was born. Jesus, upon Peter's confession, said, I will build my church. And today, the gospel, even through Southern Baptists, and there are so many other groups that uh, love the Lord that are not called Southern Baptists, but Southern Baptists have missionaries in about 135 or 40 countries, and there are other people who love the Lord who are going out in all the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it began with that little group. And then in Acts 6, it says, In those days, when the number of the disciples was increasing, it says the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, the widows, and they began to have a dispute in Acts 6. That's pretty much like the church. Born in Acts 2, have a problem in Acts 6. And what happened was, because some of the widows were being neglected, that is when we have what most scholars believe is the birth of what we call the deacons. Because in Acts 6, it says, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn the responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And so what we have here, we have the birth of the church in Acts 2, 
And because there was a rapid increase in those who became followers of Jesus Christ, there was the need to appoint people who would take care of that particular problem. And so in the beginning, it, it, it had to do with serving tables. That was not just about food, but it had to do with a number of things. And so what we have here is the first mention of deacons. And, and later, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he gives this detailed list of qualifications. And so in the rapid growth of the church, hundreds and thousands were turning to Jesus Christ. It became necessary to have some structure in the church. And what I mean by structure is that we had people who were ordained to a certain opportunity to serve that we call deacons. Now, let me say a matter of ordination. Really, the word ordination has to do with the recognition of someone's ability or qualification, either to be a minister of the teaching of the Word of God that we generally call an elder or a pastor or a bishop, uh, or if, in your, if you grew up in the South, it's the preacher. But there was the need, because of the rapid growth of the church, to have a deacon. And so when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, now let me say a word about Philip. Philippi. When you read the letters of Paul, the, the church at Philippi evidently was spiritually a strong church. I went through 30 days of reading through the book of Philippians every day for 30 days, and it occurred to me that Paul has no word of condemnation to the church at Philippi. All he had to say was had to do with positive things, and his heart was enriched because of this good church. Now, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, it was a different matter. But notice in Philippians, Paul says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, and then he mentions three different groups of people. He says, to all the saints... And then he's referring to just the rank and file of the people who made up the church. In other words, the word saint really refers to one's position before God because he's been justified by faith. And therefore, in the sight of God, he is accounted as justified or born again, and he's referred to as a saint. And then he says, overseers, and then he mentions deacons. Now, let me say a word about overseer. Um, before I went to seminary, between my college training and seminary training, I did a, a ministerial internship in a church for about three or four months. And uh, it happened to be on a church that was located... Uh, in what we call in North Carolina a mill village or a textile village. Now, the word overseer there was, did not mean what it means here. The word overseer there meant a boss. You were responsible to the overseer. And then when I went to Rockingham to my, for my first church, 
uh, it was the same thing. They had overseers in the textiles mill, and that was almost a negative connotation. Here, it really means someone who has been given by God the responsibility of the spiritual oversight of the flock, the saints. But along with the pastor or, or, or bishop or elder, as they say in some churches, there is the mention of deacons. Now, why is that important? Because the office of deacon is important. It is important for the function of the structure of the church, but it is important in terms of one's spiritual relationship to the Lord. And so he mentions saints, he mentions pastors or overseers, and he mentions deacons who had been chosen or elected to serve the church. In fact, if you look at the New Testament, only two offices are set aside for that degree of clarity in terms of their qualifications. Now, I understand we have teachers and we have music people and all of that is important, but in terms of the emphasis of the Word of God for the spiritual health of the church so that the church can function according to the purpose and plan of God, there needs to be pastors and deacons in fact, uh, I want now to, to talk about the, the blessings of, of the church and the burdens of the church. First of all, I think we need to recognize that the church is always flawed. We always are in need of the grace of God. Does it make any difference, folks, how far along you are in the Lord? We will always need the grace of God. The longer I live, the more I recognize that I am totally dependent upon God. Indeed, it is a true statement. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Folks, we are today who we are by the grace of God. And we need His grace to do the work of God the way the Lord wants it to, to be done. Now, let me say that I am one of these preachers that have been blessed of the Lord. I've only served two churches as a pastor or senior pastor. And in that time, five years plus at one church and 41 years plus at another church, Franklin Heights, of course, and in all that time, I will have to say that my experience in working and praying and serving with deacons has been a positive experience. In fact, my wife and I will, will often refer to the people that have blessed our lives. Now, I, 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 I love preachers, and please don't think I'm being, because I am one, but the people who seem to have blessed my life have been those godly lay men and women who have faithfully served God and enabled the work of God to go forward because I learned a long time ago that God does not care what I think. 
God is concerned as a pastor if I want to do His will. And the problems churches run into is that where you've got a pastor or a deacon who who had rather have their will done than the will of God. And so today as we come to ordain these two fine young men, let me be clear that even though we have opinions about things, no opinion is more important than the will of God. And in those last 20 or 30 years I was at Franklin Heights, I would often interview prospective deacons. And, and, and one of the questions I would want to know that as, as a man who has been selected, will you be willing, first of all, to try to determine what the will of God is? Folks, I've, I've known some preachers that And you don't know who I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about anybody here that, you know, what what I'm trying to say, I've known some preachers that I'd want to shoot. I've known some that they felt that because they thought it, it was the will of God. And I have seen churches split because some preacher had such an ego that they did not believe that they needed to consult the multitude of counselors, which the Bible tells us to do. I've had the privileges, I think I've mentioned that I I served on the International Mission Board for, for eight years, and during that time, we had an opportunity to sit under the ministry of Henry Blackaby. And he would come to the Mission Board in Richmond, and or maybe we'd be somewhere else meeting wherever, And he would talk, and I don't remember if I heard him say this or if I read it in a book he wrote, and I've read two or three of his books. And he said, when I was a pastor, I would would pray that God would send those men who would come alongside of me to, to determine the will of God for the people of God in that local church, and we would never go to the church until we were in full agreement about the will of God. And that is the reason I say that God is not really concerned about what I think. He is concerned about me both as a pastor previously and as a Christian today, as a pilgrim, determining what His will is in my life. I, I, uh, in my quiet time in the mornings, I This week I was praying, Lord, I don't know what you have on my schedule, but I want to be in the middle of your will today, and I want you just to lead me. And and I I had planned to go to the library and work on a sermon and do this and do that. And and this fellow walks in, whom I did not know, and he, he looked at me and he said, are you a pastor? And I said, well, I'm retired. And so he sits down. And I've come to find out he's an ordained Presbyterian minister who loved the Lord, but he took up about an hour of my time. And I thought, well, what good is that? But you want to be in the the will of God to do, and maybe he needed a a word of encouragement. He didn't even know my name. And that doesn't mean that I think I'm famous. I mean, he just didn't know me. And he said, 
are you a pastor? I says, yes, I am. And so the point I'm trying to make, it's important for me, it's important for you as a church, it's important for the deacons of this church and these two precious men that we will set aside today to understand it is not so much a matter of what we think, it is a matter of what God's will is. Does that make sense? And so therefore, today we come and because Paul said, if, if someone is to be a deacon, he said, likewise, these men are to be men of respect and sincerity, men who in the community are looked upon, not as perfect people. None of us is perfect. But men who have some respect in terms of their relationship to Jesus Christ. And what is true of a deacon is true of a, a pastor. I know that uh, some of your hearts have been burdened because it's taken about a year to call somebody. And I, I'm fully aware that, uh, you know, at my age, it's just it's different. And you need a young man. You need someone here with that vision. And what is it that God would have Rocky Mount Baptist Church to do, and working in concert with deacons and the church in generally define and redefine what our purpose is, what our plans are, so that we may do the will of God for this church moving forward. And so Paul gives ample space to the qualification spiritually of the pastor and spiritually of the deacons because, and let me say this with clarity and conviction, the church will not be any healthier spiritually than the pastor and deacons are healthy spiritually. For if, as I have learned and have had broken hearts over it, there have been churches, members who have come to me where there have been either pastors or deacons who in the carnality of a self-filled life did not want to find really the will of God. I had a young preacher to tell me. He said, when I went to the church, I had been there just a short time, and this man who was probably around 50 years of old, and he had age, and he had been a deacon for a number of years, and, and you think I'm exaggerating, but these are his words. He said, preacher, if you do not do what I say, I'll tear this church up. On the other side, I have met preachers with such an ego that they automatically believed because they were the pastor, it was his way or the highway. And I have found members who with discouraged and broken hearts because the pastor was not rooted in an intimate walk with Jesus Christ. And as I move along in my Christian life, and I'm not long before I will be promoted. I understand that, and that's fine. But I recognize that even at 84, I am flawed. And my opinion is not important at all. It is what God's will is. And so uh, I, as I have prayed already for uh, 
Jeffrey and as I have prayed for Justin and as I have prayed for this just good church that I have grown to love. I really mean that. I believe God has given me a pastor's heart. And I love this church. And I want you to move forward in the will of God. I want you to, 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 to have a passion. As, as Henry Blackaby said, it is the, the will of God that we must seek. It is the will of God that we must find so that we might do His, his will. And so let me say in conclusion to these two young men, the call of God on you, first of all, is to be something before you try to do something for the Lord. Do you understand what I mean by that? God wants us to be men of God. God wants us to be obedient to His will. The Lord wants us to be sensitive to the movement of God's Spirit. He wants us to be men who love and lead their families and have a desire to obey Jesus Christ. And then from that context of being a man of God, then the Lord will give you the assignment of being a spiritual leader. There are pastors and deacons. These are high and holy callings. And we must be serious about what God is serious about. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for this good church. We thank you for Jeffrey and for Justin, and we pray for these men. Lord, we pray for them, their precious wives, Morgan and Heather, and we ask, Lord, your blessings upon those families. And now as they come forward, we pray that in their lives and in the life of this church that you would set them on a path so that the church in general could follow the will of God. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.